Welcome to the Money Making Women podcast with me, Ray Dodd. I'm a money and business coach who believes that you are absolutely capable of earning life-changing amounts of money. I also believe that doing so is not as straightforward as the internet makes out. If you're looking for a conversation that goes beyond pure manifestation and hustle and into the nuance and intersections of what it means to be a money-making woman, then this is the space for you. Hello and welcome to another episode of Money Making Women with me, Ray. Um, I, I'm just looking at my notes for what I've written for today um, because I tend to write out when I'm doing a solo episode, I'll write out quite a lot of it. And straight away I'm like, today's episode is a good one. Hadn't even written it, that's bold. <laughs> but I think the reason I've said that is because um, I'm excited about it. I'm excited to discuss this topic with all of you. And actually it's, I mean, it's ironic, it's not ironic in the same way that Alanis Morissette's song is not ironic, but it's funny that I've written that because I wrote that right at the beginning and then what I found happened was I actually struggled to get this episode out. We struggled technically as well. This is the second time I'm recording it, but it's not so much about the technical aspect. It's much more that, um, well, I'll tell the story of how the episode came into being and then I'll explain why it took me a while to kind of um, put into words my thoughts around this topic. So this episode came about because I was chatting on my Instagram stories about selling during the pandemic. When the pandemic first hit, um, there was a lot of feelings around selling, a lot of feelings around asking, and I'm doing bunny ears, if you're watching the recording, the the video, around asking for money and um for a lot of industries there was a real flooding um of uh free stuff you know in coaching the yoga world uh, because which is obviously really hit by the pandemic and there was just a lot of feelings around what it meant to be making money particularly online while everything was going on so I wanted to know, is that still how people are feeling? Are people still, con- are they still considering the pandemic when it comes to their pricing, their selling? Are they still feeling awkward? Because we're a year in now at the time of me recording this. And so I asked that question on my stories and I got a number of um, different responses. So I just said like, are you still considering it in your selling and your pricing? And people replied about being concerned about being accessible, about what it means to be affordable, they um, replied about, um, of course, look, there were a lot of mums replying, just being like, you know what, I can't even think about selling because I'm exhausted, which is totally understandable. Um, few people saying they parked stuff just because they cannot manage all of the things. And we know that that's a massive issue for people at the moment. And then there was the, another response, the other most common response. Um, And the other most common response was the topic of this episode. And that was that people are concerned about profiting from distress or profiting from a need that's arisen because of the pandemic. So making money from people's pain, their discomfort, but not just that, just any need that's cropped up as a result of the pandemic. And this is something that's come up a lot across the whole year. And so straight away, I was like, okay, So yeah, I asked, would you be interested in an episode, a a podcast episode on this? And it was a big resounding yes. Now, the reason I found it sticky getting this episode out has been because while I knew that I did not believe 
that people are profiting from distress and that is something we need to be concerned about you know me I wanted to go into it I want us to, to analyze it and look at it and ask myself why are we feeling this why is that coming up in this um in these circumstances and it took me a while and actually as I like wrote about it and thought about it and read things and listened to things and spoke to people about it I've realized how deeply layered it all is and I'm very aware that while we are going to absolutely talk about it and go into it on this episode it is a deep deep issue and it is really nuanced and there are lots of layers to it so I'm going to do my best but I want you to know that what I'm saying here while I hope it sheds light and changes how you feel about this stuff it's also just the beginning it's just the beginning of looking at this topic um so yeah let's get into it so I think the, the best place to start is to ask what do we even mean by this statement that I'd be profiting from someone's distress and I'm using the words that were used um in a response to me on Instagram um, and I think that's always a good place to come with with this sort of thing is just really ask yourself do I even mean that the way that um, our fear or our self-doubt, um, our inner critic, whatever you want to call it, the way that that often works is to use beliefs that are quite one-dimensional. They're pretty shaky. Like it doesn't take much to go, hang on a minute, that's all. That's not actually true. They often can use absolutes. I found myself doing this just yesterday after um, the recording of this very podcast went wrong. And I said to... Um, I can't remember if it was Kat, my assistant, or my husband. I was like, stuff like this always happens. I'm just always letting people down. Or am I always letting people down? No. But that's the way that kind of self-doubt works. It can be very black and white. And so firstly, ask yourself, like, do I really think this? Do I believe that I'm profiting from other people's distress? Is that really my concern? And I think it's really important to ask yourself, is this my concern? Or... Am I concerned that others will think that's what I'm doing? And that distinction is really, really important. Because honestly, if you're concerned about what other people will think, that is a different conversation to whether or not you're actually worried that you are profiting from distress. So let's park the bit about what other people will think for now um, and your concerns around that. If you're going, oh, I think that's me. Bear with me, let's see what comes up in the next bit and we'll return to that in a little minute. The other thing I want to say is profiting from distress actually suggests that you create more distress. In order for that to be any kind of sustainable business model, and this might sound like a ridiculous example, but it exists. It exists in the coaching industry where actually what we're doing is perpetuating codependency or a need for um a certain coach or a certain strategy for them to feed you the answers and that distress might be too strong a word but you're perpetuating something that is actually um you know something that can be healed so often in coaching and I see this a lot people will come to me and they're asking me like almost like for permission or for like, well, what should I do here, Ray? And what should I do with this? And, and if somebody's, and I, you know, that stuff comes up and I do that with the coaches I work with sometimes, but if it's happening a lot, it's good to ask, like, why do you feel like you need to check that with me? 
because I trust my clients and we're going to get on to trust in a little bit. I trust my clients. So what I work with them in doing is, uh, and the coach I work with or the coach I was working with does this too, is, is, is helping them to learn how to trust themselves. So I'm not, I don't perpetuate that distress, that lack of trust. I take them from the moment where they may be feeling that when they come to me and we alleviate it. We alleviate that lack of self-trust or we work towards it anyway. So let's dig into whether or not you're actually profiting from someone's distress or from a people's distress. And I've heard this from people from all sorts of businesses, therapists, yoga teachers, knitters, crafters, um, and that's, that might sound strange, but those are all businesses like knitters and crafters and like jigsaws, even like lots of those businesses, board games have really exploded over lockdown because people are looking for things to get away from their screens. They're sick of spending time just looking at a screen because that's even how we socialize with people outside of if we happen to have people living on our houses or not. So I've heard people in the knitting community, in the craft community being like, I'm making more money. Is that OK? Is that OK that I'm doing that? So I just I want to put across how prevalent this is. You can imagine it from coaches and therapists. I think that's easy to understand. But actually, it's from all over the place. Similarly, yoga teachers will say the same thing because they are providing relaxation and it's in a very different way now. But because people really need it. Equally, people who facilitate and teach on changes of lifestyle, like gardening or, you know, kind of small holdings, or I'm trying to think of other examples like that, Think uh, like off-grid lifestyles, because there's been an, um, a surge of interest in those things, post like not post-lockdown, because we're not there yet, but during this time. And of course, lots of people have lost money during the pandemic. Of course they have. There's no pretending that everything's actually okay. But not everybody has. A number of businesses have actually benefited, as always happens, as always happens in these situations. It is never a cut and dry, black and white situation where, you know, in a recession, there are businesses that boom. And some of that is because they meet a need, like accountants and lawyers. And some of it is because they adapt to the market. So. In the simplest of ways, all businesses solve a problem. Seth Godin talks about this, and this is marketing really brilliantly. You know something that I need or want to know. You create something I would like or cannot create myself. You saw something I would like, but don't know where to look for. You have skills that I don't actually want to learn, that I don't have time to um, learn, or that just don't fit who I am as a person and I want to employ you to use those skills. And there'll probably be way more examples than that. Each business is a solution to something, no matter how big or small. My sofa looks boring, you sell cushions. You know, my wall is looking plain. My chair needs recovering. It's not just service-based businesses that provide solutions. I need food in my stomach. I have refined tastes, so it needs to be from a farm shop. <laughs> but these all, Solve solutions. And actually, a lot of that is about a lifestyle. It's not just about the actual product itself. It's about how we want to see ourselves and how we want to feel. And that farm shop analogy fits really well into that. 
So are we really suggesting that when your toilet breaks and disgusting water is gushing out all over the place that you think I should call that really skilled plumber? I know, but they'll just be profiting off my stinky distress. So I'm not going to do that. Instead, we see it as a transaction. It's a, it's a solution to our problem. What about a doctor? Are you pissed off that they're getting paid to treat you? Or nurses? Nope. What I hear most people say is that they should be paid more. They should profit from what they do more. And it's so interesting because when we think about supporting someone in distress and we take out the money aspect, that feels good. That feels right that we should do that. So the issue is not, and I'm sure you already knew this, but it's worth saying, the issue is not about providing a service for somebody or, or meeting that need. It's when we bring money into it. That's when it starts to seem strange. And obviously in the UK with the NHS, using that doctor example, the NHS, um, our health service, is free at the point of delivery. And so it can make it seem like people don't get paid to help us because we don't pay them. But actually, we do pay them. It's just we pay our taxes. And so that distance maybe creates something in our brains around that. So it seems that the issue is in receiving the money or charging the money. And I think so much of this comes down to our understanding of kindness, of what it means to care for people in distress, what it means for them and what it means about us. So many of us have grown up around um, people who have made money and caused us harm with that, either within our families or we just see the injustice and inequality and inequity in, in society in the way that the rich just get richer and the people without money just get less of it or just don't get access to certain things. And we've seen that. We've seen that... Um, that harm caused maybe in our like intangible ways in people we know or we've seen it on the news and in the media and I always think of Philip Green I think for a lot of us we'll think of Philip Green when we think about those people and in our heads that's what equates to you know successful business person successful businessman you know this is what wealth looks like what that leads to is an incorrect distinction that money and kindness are separate transactions and what's interesting is that so many of the same people who are concerned about profiting from distress would also be rightly enraged when people are asked to work for free. They'd also be exactly the people saying those nurses should get a pay rise. They are the people that recognise that caring roles, which are predominantly occupied by women and certainly traditionally were exclusively um, occupied by women, are hugely undervalued. And yet we struggle so much personally for there to be a money transaction included when we care for people. And what's so interesting with this, many things are interesting about it, but is that equally, I'm sure you're the sort of person who believes and understands that if empathy and thought and feeling and care have been brought more into the business world, if it hadn't been such a traditionally patriarchal model, that we would be finding ourselves in a better position than we're in now. 
that we would be in a situation where human beings were seen as humans and they were treated as such and where we were caring for one another and looking after the needs we had and not seeing needs as weaknesses. And actually that's really interesting, isn't it? Because when we act like to profit from somebody's distress, we are doing a bad thing. And I wanna say you're not profiting from someone's distress. So maybe it's better to word it in saying, when we act like that, when there's a money transaction, when somebody's in distress and you are offering to be part of alleviating that distress, that there's an issue with that. What we're really saying is that there is a weakness there that we're exploiting. And I know that's not how you really think. I know that you don't actually believe that you're exploiting a weakness in somebody and they somehow can't say no. There are ways we can play around with that, sure. People, are do, people do that. The coaching industry, again, <laughs> let's just throw my industry under the bus because it puts itself there a lot. But it absolutely can be done. But I know that if you're listening to this, that is not what your heart is for. That's not what you're aiming for. And I know that you are committed to, or you know, maybe this is just occurring to you, but I would like to ask you to commit to unraveling some of the ways that we've been taught we have to do that. So ask yourself, why is it wrong to make money from alleviating distress? Why is it wrong for that to be part of the transaction? And if after all we've chatted about here, the answer is no, I don't think that. Then that brings us back to our old pal. What would people think? And is that the real concern here? Not that you believe that you are profiting from that, that you are making money in that way, that that's a problem, that you're doing that but more what if people think that's what you're doing? And here's where I want to offer two things, both around the same word. And that word is trust. You can trust yourself and you can trust your clients and customers. You can trust yourself to understand and to work alongside the fact that we are existing in a very imperfect system. And I don't want to pretend that, but I absolutely think it's okay that people charge for these sorts of things. I don't want to pretend that I believe that everybody can um, access them when we charge for them. But what I want us to be really careful about is not getting into a situation where we blame individuals for systemic issues. It is not that independent therapist's fault that the government and, the NH and therefore the NHS doesn't provide more adequate mental health support. It does not do anyone any favours if that therapist cannot afford to work with people for, for free because they won't charge anybody enough money because they don't want to profit from distress. You can trust yourself that you can work within a system and unravel that system at the same time that you can do things in different ways where you do care for people, but that you don't have to do it at the expense of yourself. So you can trust yourself. And secondly, you can trust your clients and customers. As women, we've been conditioned to outsource trust, to suggest that we need to check in with others to make sure that we can trust ourselves. You can trust yourself to move with integrity. That does not mean that you will get it right all the time it means you'll need to unravel stuff if last year taught us anything and i know it taught us so much 
is that unravelling racist, colonial, patriarchal, inequitable practices takes time. And that's okay. It's okay to realise that you don't want to do something one way. So there are so many things that I no longer do that I used to do and that I've gone, oh, I'm not sure if I'm comfortable with that. Oh, I'm not sure about this. Was I increasing distress before I changed it? Never knowingly, never purposefully, but possibly. But I'm aware I'm a work in progress. So like I said, you can trust your customers and clients. They get to decide. Allow them the joy of investing in you. They are the people to concern yourself with, not what everybody else thinks. What you wouldn't want to happen is to be so concerned with what everybody else thinks and making sure that you can trust yourself because others have said that they trust you and miss out on the people that you want to work with in the first place. When we tie ourselves up in knots like that, we miss on out on those opportunities. If people have a renewed interest in something, like we know that things um, like um, knitting and crochet and gardening and hands-on things have huge impacts on people's lives. Running does. And if you have skills in that and that's what people need, think about what you are not giving them by not offering your services. And think about the impact of not charging and what that means for the sustainability of your business. How kind will it be when your business can't be there and you need to go and get another job that doesn't have the same impact because you were too concerned and too scared to charge? Rather than I would hate people to think X, Y, Z, concentrate on you, on who you are, your healing and your integrity. What they think often comes what other people think, often comes from the healing they have to do. You can't make that your pain. You can't make that your job. They're not paying you. <laughs> Funnily enough, they're not paying you, those people. Concentrate on the people that are inspired by what you do and who want your service. And yes, please build in stuff that will help people, whether or not that's paying more taxes or um, a scaled um version of um, business model think it through but you don't need to do it to the detriment of your entire business all right I'd love to hear your thoughts on this please do reach out to me on Instagram it's been absolutely um, brilliant to think it through for me um, and I'd really really love to know what's what's come up for you listening and uh, how you feel about it after spending this time thinking about this topic all right I'll see you all very soon Thank you for listening to this episode of Money Making Women. Please do go and leave us a review. They have a huge impact on getting podcasts like mine heard. I also wanted to let you know where you can find me. So if you want to find more of what I do, you can find me in my Facebook group, Money Making Women, or you can find me on Instagram. I'm Ray underscore Dodd. I really want to say a special thank you to Emily Crosby, who edits these for me, and I will see you for our next episode.